Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for every privilege, every opportunity that you give to us, that we could be found in your house on this day of rest, to be seated in your presence, to listen to your voice. Your word says, O Lord, the entrance of your word brings light. And your word also says, O Lord, in your light, we actually see light. And therefore this morning I pray, Lord, that you would open the eyes of our heart. That we may know the hope of our calling. The riches of, our, of the glory that you have given to each one of us in Christ Jesus when you raised him up. That we are seated together with him in the heavenly places in Christ. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know you. I pray, Father, that Lord, even through the preaching of the word, you would generate faith. Faith, O oh Lord. Because your word says, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of Christ. And therefore I pray, Lord, that let Christ be lifted up. Even through the preaching. That you would anoint each and every one of us. That we will see the anointed one, Christ. That we will be drawn toward him. Because you said in your word, Lord, if I be lifted up. I will draw all men unto myself. And therefore I pray, Lord, through the preaching, let you be lifted up. And through the preaching, you draw your people to yourself. To that end, I pray that you would bless and anoint the speaking and hearing of today's word. We cancel out every work of the wicked one over our lives. Every distraction, every spirit of tiredness, we rebuke it in the name of Jesus. We surrender our spirit, soul, and body. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the things that you constantly have to do is to speak the gospel to yourself. You see, it's very important. That's the reason why uh, Moses, or rather God tells Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate upon it day and night. It starts with your mouth. You speak out constantly. Now, the solution to every problem is only a person. That is Christ. When we come to church, we don't look for solutions. We look for the person. And that is the reason why before Joshua could enter into the promised land, he was just wondering as to how to conquer Jericho. And he sees the Lord of the armies with a drawn sword. And he asks this question, are you for us? Are you for our enemies? And he says, neither. You, may have to, you ought to make a choice. 
The only way that we all, if we want to have a consistent life of victory in our walk with the Lord, is to ensure that we have the person of Jesus Christ in our lives, that he is with us. I mean, I'm re- it's remarkable, you no? Know, when we look at the lives of overcomers in the Bible, two people stand out. I mean, like the quintessential overcomers, if you will. They don't even have a spot on the character. You will see Joseph in, the, in, in Genesis. And it doesn't say Joseph overcame sin. Hmm. The Bible says the Lord was with Joseph. <laughs> That's remarkable. And that is the reason why Joseph overcame. Because he was constantly aware of the presence of God in his life. And therefore he was, he knew if he has to have the continuous abiding presence of God in his life, he has to overcome sin. The Lord was with him and the Lord empowered him. You see, that is the secret. The secret is to have the assurance that God is always with us. Therefore, in order to do that, you know, the salvation as we, as we keep hearing in different, different contexts, we hear, the salvation is just not from the penalty of our sin. It is from the power of sin. God only, not only rescues us and redeems us from the penalty of our past sins, but he also empowers us to overcome sin in our lives. So that we can have a life of constant victory. So when we can draw even more close to God, we can enjoy more of his blessing. That is the reason why he asked this question to, I mean, in the book of Deuteronomy, he says, how long will you keep circling around this mountain? You've done it for such a long time. Now, come on, break, break the circle, break this loop and, 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 and enter into the promised land. Overcome, become overcomers. And in order to, be, in, in order to overcome, there are certain things that we need to do. I just uh, titled today's teaching as Cry Out. It is not C-R-Y. It is K-R-Y. Cry Out. What is Cry Out? I'll show you what Cry Out is and then I'll go to the message today's meet. In, uh, in Romans chapter 6, it says, in uh, verse 6, knowing this, in your Bible, underline the word knowing, if you have a Bible, okay? I know everybody has a Bible. Okay, whenever you go to go back to do your study, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So step number one is that we should know. That is K. Step number two, he says, for the death that he died, it was number 10 of Romans chapter 6, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise also, you also, what do you do? Reckon. That is R. Reckon yourselves to be dead, but alive to God. What does that mean? And the third, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but what? 
yield yourselves to God. And because we are all software engineers, there's a three-step algorithm. What is that? Knowing, reckoning, and yielding. This is the secret process of the Christian life to be overcomers. This is just not information. This is not gathering of information. This is something much more than that. This knowing is an intimate relationship with God. Knowing the Lord as a person. I have this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Filled and satisfied, yes. We sang, no? As a deer panteth for the water, so my soul longs after you. And you know, this morning, God sees our longing. What are we longing after? Many of us might be longing after a breakthrough. Many of, many of us may be longing after uh, success or promotion. I know, many prayer requests. Nothing wrong in that. But the greatest longing that will please God, a longing that will please God, is a longing for him. See, that is something which pleases God the most. And if you, you see in, in, in our own lives, how much do we long for righteousness? Lord, I want to be righteous, Lord. I long to be holy. See, we sang that no, in the morning. Holy, holy, holy. I mean, that's, what, that's the word that we heard. Holy, we long to be like you. Why do, why do, we, why do we have this longing? Because we have an expectation that when we, when we rise up from our sleep, that is from in our resurrected body, the first person that we will see is who? Jesus. And when we see him in our resurrected body, we should not be ashamed. And therefore it says in 1 John chapter 3, everyone who has this hope, this longing, what does he do? He purifies himself just as he is also pure. This is the longing. And God longs for us actually. You see when, when Adam and Eve sinned, you will understand and see it was the Lord who went after Adam and Eve and not Adam and Eve after God. The Lord longs for us. When the prodigal son left the house, he didn't actually long for his father until he came to his senses. But the father every day longed for him. The bride was sleeping in her, ch- in, her, in, her, in, her in her bed in the, in, the, in the book of Song of Songs and Jesus is knocking at her door because he is longing to have a fellowship with her. The Lord longs. But you know what? He says the indictment of the Lord. He says in, in, in Jeremiah chapter 2, he says, I know the love of your espousals. The way you longed after me in the wilderness. When you first saved, you had this incredible craving for me. As newborn babies crave for the pure milk of the word of God. Because you tasted that we sang. That is, that, that is, a, that is a song that we sang today. Right? In, in the What a superb song. No? I tasted and the Lord now, I, I, I want to know more of him. And he says, I'll know the love of your spouses, but what happened to you? And you know, this is the indictment. This is what he says in Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 22. He says, for my people, everybody say my people. Oh my goodness. My people. You know, there are two kinds of people. My people 
not my people. <laughs> Only two. <laughs> it's very interesting if you if you actually read uh, the the old covenant when he calls God's people Israel, he says my people. He uses the Hebrew word am. And for the other people who are not Jewish people, he uses the word goim. Goim means actually, you know what? One of the things that the Jewish people, when they, I mean, an Orthodox Jew, when he, when he gets up in the morning, he says, "Lord, I thank you that I'm not a woman." I thank you that I'm not a goim. Goim means not a people. And as, as like pastor was praying in the, in the morning, he says, one day we were without God, without hope, without Christ, without any covenant. But when we came, now we have Christ, we have become my people. And the book of Hosea says, where he says, not my people, at the very same place, he will call what? My people. And the point here is, he says, for my people are what? Foolish. They do not know me. They are foolish children and have no understanding. What do they know? They do not know me. They are foolish children and have no understanding. They are skillful at doing evil. They, they are exceptional in doing evil. Oh my goodness. How, you see, the ultimate coder in, in, the, in, in the programming domain is a hacker. If you are a hacker and saved, <laughs> okay, that's a good, that's very important. Okay, then what? What you you become an ethical hacker? What hacker? Ethical hacker. Now, what will what will companies do? Security companies they will employ you to save your database from hackers. So you are exceptionally brilliant in. Thinking, that's the reason why in, in Romans chapter 1, he's, he, he, he actually analyzes the entire human race who's gone away from God, who has been given away to depraved mind. He calls them inventors of evil. What are they? Chat GPT. Oh, my goodness. I mean, when I look at that, I just, the other day I was, I was looking at a video. It says, write down a gospel song, a worship song, and Chat GPT is writing a gospel song. Artificial intelligence is writing a gospel song, by the way. Okay. We are skillful. Now, if we have chat GPT, how, are, how many of us use chat GPT for writing gospel songs? Please, chat GPT, please help me to think about a gospel song. No, 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 no. Inventors. See, the problem is not with the invention. The problem is with the inventor. You see? They are very exceptionally skillful, he says, in doing evil, but they do not know. You see that? They do not what? Know how to do good. The problem with many of us is that we do not know, we do not have the knowledge of God. And therefore we have fears. What is that knowledge? It is an intimate relationship with God. Recently we went to a horse academy. Everybody was scared of, I mean, I was scared of the horse, okay? When I look at it, it's not a very easy animal to approach. Your fellow is so powerful, okay? And he makes those, it's, 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 uh, it's in the movies, it's okay to watch it. When you come closer to a horse, it's not as, as easy to approach it. And one of the things that the trainer was telling us, one of the ways you overcome your, why do you have fear? He asked this question to all the children. You know why you don't, why, why you have fear? Because you do not know. I said, boy, he's a Christian teacher. <laughs> First of all, he says, you should know. You should have knowledge. Not just not information. 
And he says, you should know your horse intimately. A rider and a horse to have a relationship. What a, what a statement that was. Huh? You have a relationship. You should know. The moment you start knowing your animal and your animal knows you, therefore he says, come here. Come, come close. Come close everybody. Come and tap the horse and tell him that you don't mean any harm. So we went. The first time I touched a horse. Ooh, what a feeling. Leather, leathery touch. And he didn't say anything. I tapped him. He didn't say anything. Of course, it was a tamed horse. It's a different thing if you have an If it was a stallion, it would probably kick me. I don't know. You see, and then over a period of time, what happens? A trainer develops a relationship with the horse. And you begin to know. This is knowledge. This is what he's talking about. The knowledge of God. Jeremiah chapter 9. We know this verse is very well. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and what? Knows who? Me. The problem is, God is longing to reveal himself to us. But how many of us are truly, truly hungry for God? That's the question. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he says, but let him glories, glory in this that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising what? Loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, we know this very well. My people are destroyed. Why? Because they do not have knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being a priest. Why? Because you rejected knowledge. In other words, we have to actually, knowledge can be given to you, but it all depends upon how you accept it. And then he says, if you rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being a priest unto me, because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget. Notice that word, forget. Okay? Very important. Forget. Just keep that in mind. <clears throat> you see, what should be, what should I always be reminded of? I will, I'll tell you what should, be, what we should be reminded of. <clears throat> in one Timothy chapter one, verse thirteen, I thank, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was what. Formerly a blasphemer, persecutor, and an insolent man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And then the grace of the Lord was exceedingly abundant towards me. But let us not just go to, the, go to that point. I want to just look at this one. What was the secret of, of Apostle Paul's success as a minister? Oh, sorry, as a, as, a, as a disciple and as a minister of the word of God, as an apostle. What is, it, what is the secret of his life? One of the reasons why I believe he was successful is because he never forgot where God picked him up from. He never forgot. Okay, understand this. God never, forget, God never forgets, oh, sorry, you should never forget where you, where you were picked up from. Very important for us to understand. What does it mean? And not only that, he says, because he counted me what? Faithful. Now think about it, no? This man was going and persecuting the church. Killing people. Killing his own saints. 
and many of the people were actually frustrated with Paul. I think the believers, for sure. I'm sure some of them might have prayed, Lord, why are you keeping this man alive? And in fact, when Ananias were asked, I was asked by God to go and, you know, uh, lay hands on Apostle Paul and pray for him. He said, Lord, do you know that person? He is a, he's a t- dangerous fellow. And you are asking me to do this? You know, Paul understands that. And then he says, he counted me what? Faithful. You know, what is the greatest motivation to follow God? That the Lord trusts you. Think about it. It's like this. I know Abraham. That he will command his offspring. To follow the statutes of God. I know him. I'm trusting you. You know, greatest motivation is you trusted me so much God. I don't want to break that trust. You know, the greatest motivation in any relationship is trust. The, every time, I mean, husband and wife, what, what is the most important thing your wife or your husband should know that my wife or my husband can be trusted and he will never break that trust. See, important that. Very important. And if I have to, if Pastor James gives me the pulpit, I trust you. It's an incredible honor. And I should always say, Lord, I should never break this trust. Trusted. The motivation for Christian living is trust, my dear brothers. That is, I'm saying in passing. Let's move on. So the secret of Christian life is that we should always be reminded where we came from. Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you. So we know, knowing, we know what is to reckon. And we know what is to eat. We know it. right? We know it. But I'm reminding you this morning. You see, we need to understand every time we come to the preaching of the word of God, we should say, Lord, after the end of the preaching, I want faith. After the end of the preaching, I want love. Two things. Why? Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it says in First Timothy chapter... Second Timothy, oh, sorry, First Timothy chapter 1 verse 5. The end of our commandment is this, or the instruction is this, that what is that? Love from a pure heart, from a sincere faith, and from an undefiled conscience. So, Lord, I want two things. First, I want faith. And second, I want what? Love. Because ultimately what matters? Faith expressing itself through love. So, three things we, to, we, want, to, we want to rehearse this morning. Knowing Reckoning and yielding. We should know and remember what our past state was. We should know what our current state is as, as Christians is. We should reckon. We'll talk about that. And we should yield. So in order to understand this process, I want to look at one passage, which is one of the most powerful passages I ever came across in my, in, 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 in my, in my study is Titus chapter 3, which explains salvation in a in four or five verses in a fantastic way. Let us read that passage in Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. We know Titus chapter 2 verse 11, the grace of God, which brings salvation to all as we appeared, teaching us to say what? No. 
So we know that. We know that verses very well. But I want to, sh- I want to introduce, I mean, not, we already know it, but I want you to remind, I want to remember, uh, bring to your remembrance a few verses which explains this process of salvation. Let us look at Titus chapter 3 and verse 1 onwards. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. What do you ask them? To remind. So I'm reminding you, okay? I'm reminding you. Why? Now he's going to describe our process of salvation. For we, you know what is that? We, that's, I like that word we. Who's included in that we? Paul is also included in that we, okay? <laughs> that's very important, okay? So I'm, I'm also included, Paul is also included. When Paul is including himself, it gives me great, great, great assurance, okay? For we. Also, ourselves were also once what? Foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Kya baat hai? But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward man appeared, I'm going to explain that verse as well this morning. And then what happened? Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he what? Saved us. How? Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us. Notice the word whom, okay, he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that we having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You see that? The process of salvation. And then, this is a faithful saying, and these things, I want you to what? Affirm constantly, okay, that those who already believed in God, we are all believers, should be careful to maintain. That is the reason why I'm bringing to remembrance. Careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. Loaded verses which describe our process of salvation. And I'm going to explain to the best of my ability a few things from these verses. There could be so many things that we can learn. But the process of knowing, but the process of reckoning, and the process of yielding. How do we apply this in our lives? From Titus chapter 3. First, Let's move on. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures. There are several things which is mentioned. One of the things that we constantly have to come to this, come to terms with, we have to have an honest appraisal of ourselves. What is that? Honest appraisal of ourselves. First, let us Enumerate what he's trying, trying to say over here. We are all. What is that? Foolish. We are all. Uh, no, you're not convinced. I am, I am, I'm still. Okay. I am. I was. Say that. I was foolish. I was disobedient. I was deceived. Okay. That is how you read scripture. Mm-hmm. What was I doing as a result of being foolish? As a result of being disobedient? As a result of being deceived? There's a fruit. Okay, of foolishness, of disobedience, and deception. Okay, what is the the fruit? I served various lusts and pleasures. I was living in malice and envy. What was it? Six, hateful and hating one another. This is our former position. 
from here God saved us. <laughs> you should never forget <laughs> that we were people who were what? Foolish. We were people who are disobedient. We are still foolish. You know, somebody was telling me the other day, Vijay, we know what you were when you were a child. Now you are teaching to us. I mean, they didn't say that in so many words, but they meant it. So, what is the position that you assume? I told, I mean, I, I didn't tell them out loudly, but this is what I spoke to myself. There's a father, there is a son. The father looks at the candle, you know, this is Pastor James's example. He tells his son when he was a baby, don't go to the candle and burn yourself. Okay? But the child doesn't listen. He goes to the candle and he burns himself. What, does, what, happens, to, what happens to him now? He gets knowledge. Thank you. Yeah. Now what happens? He has experiential knowledge. Initially he had information. Now with the relationship with the fire that he had, that I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. Because it says in Proverbs chapter 6, can anyone take fire in, in his bosom and his clothes not be burnt and seared? I burnt my hand. Now I'm assuming the position of the person who's burnt and learnt his lesson and saying, Baba, please don't come here. That is the position I'm assuming. Not a position of a teacher and a man who's going to lord over your life. No. See, we were all foolish. We were all disobedient. We were all deceived. And what did we do in the process? We served various lusts and pleasures. We were having malice and envy. You know, one of the most common feelings as people of, of you know, in our old nature, we have is envy. And that is the one sin we do not like to confess. It's very difficult to say, Samir, I'm envious of you, bro. Very difficult to say that. Very, very difficult. But deep down inside of our heart, we all have it. Can anyone say? <laughs> From the bottom of their hearts, they don't envy anybody. And, and then what did we happen? We always were people who were hateful and we hated one another. What is hateful? We caused other people to hate us. How? By showing off. Joseph had two dreams. So please keep your mouth shut. Not only that, he said, guys, 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 come, 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 come. I had a dream. And he told, you know, these seven, 12 things there and 12... Uh, Sheaves over there, and all your sheaves was bowing down to me. To, bowing down to me. What do you think it meant? He was not asking for inter, interpretation. He knew already the interpretation. What was he doing? Chugli. Now, first of all, the father loved you. He gave you a what? Special coat. You are wearing that. Now you also had a dream. They meant exactly what that dream means. Dream means. Now what is happening now? You are by opening your mouth, what are you doing? You are causing them to envy you. Second them, they are causing them to hate you. And third thing, he always brought a what? Evil report about them to their father. Now, whether, I mean, there are two things. He also had a heart for the name of his father. Second, the word for evil report is very interesting. You know what? The very first time it is mentioned in the Bible, the word for evil report means slander. Sometimes, you know, what, we, what we, we love our parents, we want to, we don't want our parents' name to be, you know, we don't want to bring a, uh, some, some kind of a bad, bad name for our parents, but we also say, Lord, you know what, I'm better than my brothers. 
I didn't do it, but daddy. But you know what? They did. What happens? Hateful. Now this guy is going to fetch them, I mean to search them. He has this coat of many colors. Why, Baba? From far away they recognize that coat. Now what is happening? Love? Love is coming out? No. Hate? You see? Let us make other people jealous. See, so, so many of our things is there's a spirit of competition. <laughs> I am better. My children are better. My profession is better. You see my children? See your children? Compare. <laughs> what, what happens in the process? See, hating, hateful. This is our former state. You see, Apostle Paul looked at Stephen. You know what? He hated Christians. And then when Stephen opens his mouth and magnanimously says, Father, forgive them. His cut in his heart, his anger is increasing now. Who is this fellow to forgive me? Who is this fellow Serving. We're living in malice. Living in envy. You see, where is all of this? It is where? In our heart. You see, Ahitophel was man who covered his entire outward appearance. But deep down inside of his heart, he had hatred for David. Hatred. Haman hated the Jews. And Mordecai would not bow down. He hated them even more. That is our previous estate, Baba. The point here, here is, why does it start? Because we are foolish, because we are dis- dis- disobedient and we are deceived. That is the root. And this is the fruit. So first let us look at foolish. How does Bible talk about, describe foolish people? It says in Psalm 107, fools, <laughs> read that everybody, Fool, we know this verse very well. No, everybody read verse 20. Yeah, read it, read it, Baba. He sent his word and, and delivered them from all. But how did they come to this point? Because what? Fools because of their transgressions. They transgressed. Second, deceived. What does deceived mean? The word actually means to go astray. To leave the path that God has shown you to follow in. It says in Isaiah chapter 53, we know this verse very well. All we like sheep have what? Gone astray. Meaning what? We were deceived. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of his all. That is that is the word iniquity, which means actually rebellion. And the third one is that we were what? Disobedient. And this is remarkable. And the very word disobedient, the, 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 the other time it is used in the, in the New Testament is disobedient to parents. That's exactly the word. The same word is used. The Greek word. Disobedient to parents. Now let, let us, let us, let us, let me show you a person, the quintessential rebel in the Bible. The quintessential rebel. Look at how, how he is described in the Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 21. If a man 
has a what? Stubborn and rebellious son. Who will not? Obey. Who's that? What is that? Disobedient. Who's this guy? He's stubborn. He's rebellious. He will not obey the voice of his father, nor obey the voice of his mother. There are two kinds of vo- two voices in our lives. In our church, for example, I'm just giving an example. We have the voice of the pastor and we also have the voice of Sister Elsa. We call Papu and Ma. Okay, that is what your words are. Okay. Generally, voice of the fathers are voice of discipline. Voice of the mother is telling the same thing in a different way. Now, for example, Are in our homes, how do you, how do you, how do we tell our children? Dad was not draw. That father is coming home. Do your homework, no? Sit and study, no? Otherwise, he will discipline you. Not punish you, he will discipline you. Please listen to your father. That is mother's voice. So what is, if you listen to my voice, I will give you chocolate. That is what? Mother's voice. Father's voice is what? Hey, did you do it? You did not do it? Bang. That is generally, typically. No man, I mean, uh, in some, some homes it is reversed. Uh, it's okay, whichever home that you belong to, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there are two kinds of voices. And it's typical in Abraham's home. Abraham's home is very clear. This is how he commanded Isaac. Isaac, come here. I mean, not come here. I mean, come here. Cut the wood. Yes, daddy. Tuck, 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 tuck. Put it on your shoulder. Put it on your shoulder. Let's walk. That is Abraham. Sarah? Papa, eat, eat. <laughs> he fed him through his nostrils. That's what I feel. That's what I believe. That's one, one weakness because it's the child of his old age. Now we know our, our Christi- I mean, Indian mothers, how they, how they feed us. I mean, some homes, not all homes. You know, so even if you're like a potato, when you come back home after a vacation, they will say, Are, no, no, you lost weight. No, you did not lose weight. Are you, are you, see, think about it. No? When, you, when you call your father, hey, how are you studying? What are your grades? Etc. When you call your mother, did you eat? Exactly. Did you eat? <laughs> Did you eat? Did you eat? We have two voices in our homes. The voice of the father and the voice of the mother. The voice, that's, that's what we say in Sanskrit or Telugu. Sam, dan, abed, dando, payalu. Sam, dan, bed, dand. Meaning, we use all kinds of methods. Sam means peacefully. Beda means we'll compare. Otherwise, we'll give you danda. But the problem with this fellow, the quintessential rebel is, if a man has a what? Stubborn, rebellious son, he will not listen to his father, neither will he listen to his mother. Point is, he also does not respond to chastening. See that? That's the problem. That's the danger. You know, that is, that is the reason in the book of Proverbs, it says, if a man keeps on repeating the same sin, even after being chastened, one day he will be suddenly destroyed and without warning. The quintessential rebel. I mean, where did, we, did you encounter this fellow? I encountered every day. Where? In me, the old man. <laughs> 
<laughs> he is incorrigible. <laughs> he will not listen to the voice of his father. Neither will he listen to his voice of his mother. And neither will he respond to chastening. See, there's no, pro- there's no point chastening the old man. In fact, the more you chasten him, the more rebellious and hardened he becomes. That's what happened to, happened to uh, Pharaoh, right? Chastening, chastening after chasing. The Bible says, what? Seven times Pharaoh hardened his heart. After that, God hardens his heart two times. And after that, Pharaoh hardens his heart again. And God gives him over. Hardened. Repeated chastening. He will say, okay, 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 please, please, please. This time only, please, please, please ask for forgiveness. And after that, same old process repeats. Why? The quintessential rebel. Because he will not, he does not have the ability to change, even to respond to chastening. So what should that person do? Then the father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him to the elders of the, t- of the city, to the gate of the city. What is that? A place of judgment. Elders, if you, if you read the book of Deuteronomy, it says to the judges, the word so many times is translated as God's. Or God, or Elohim. That means when you are bringing to the elders, whom are, whom are, whom are you build, bringing that person to? You are bringing the person to God near the gate. What is supposed to happen near the gate? Judgment has to happen. So what should you say to this, about your son? This is what he has to say. And they shall say to the elders of the city or to the judge, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. What is he? He's a glutton and a drunkard. That means he's a person who does not have, does not have any self-control in his life. So what should you do to that person? Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. You shall put away the evil from among you and all Israel shall hear and fear. Now think about this. In Israel history, did they do this? Not even once. Even during the time of, in the John's Gospel, the woman was caught in adultery. They wanted to stone her with stones. She was stopped. God stopped her. So what should you do to the dead body of the son who has been who has been Killed like this. What, sh- what are you supposed to do? If a man has committed a sin deserving of death, he should be put to death. And what should he do? Hang him on the tree. This is what you do. Kill that fellow, hang him on the tree. Now think about it. So what is the solution to the rebel inside each one of us? Stone him to death and hang him on a tree. If this is the way God looks at a rebel, what about each one of us? What were we? We were what? Disobedient. We were what? Foolish. We were deceived. We were disobedient. Why? Because this person is what? Accursed of God. That is the reason why any man does not listen to his father and mother. What is he? Accursed. Curse. Cursed be a man who does not honor his father and mother. And everybody should say, you are very difficult to say Amen. I know. To say Amen to that, Baba, it, rem- it really, really requires a lot of fear of God. A curse of God. You see, this is our condition. That is the reason why we should have an honest appraisal of our See, We can never come to the point where we hunger after righteousness until and unless we know the condition that we are in. 
Remember that lady who had, what, um, uh, what is that? Uh, 12 years she was suffering with an issue of blood. Am I right? 12 years. And what did she do? She spent everything upon physicians. And what happened to her? She, she grew worse and she spent all her money. And she came to the end of herself. That is the reason why we need to have an honest appraisal of ourselves. Who we were before Christ came into our lives. And this should have been the solution to the person who is a rebel. So, let's read on. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, deceived. And what did we do? We did what we what what pleased us basically even even the careers that we choose what why did we choose it oh, we it gave us pleasure I mean sometimes people don't study for money they study for for pleasure okay Warren Beersby was asked, was asking a question to his one of his members of his congregation this man was he had a son who was never coming out of college he finished his undergrad, then he finished his postgrad, then he finished his PhD, then he finished his postdoc, he was doing his double postdoc, and Warren Wearsby asked this man, who had the son, what is your son want, what is your son going to become after he graduates from college? You know what that man said? Old man. He's going to become an old man. Old man he's going to become. Some people have a lust for what? Gaining degrees. And what do they do? They empty the church in degrees. Gradually, that is. They do differentiation. Hmm? <laughs> Those who have years to hear, mathematical years to hear, they will understand. Hmm? What do they do? They have all these things. They have pleasures. Some people are after money. Some people are after knowledge. But both of them are equally after their own pleasures. You know what, what we tell our people in our, in our school, in our university? What are you going to do after you finish your B.Tech? Uh, I'm going to apply for a job in Microsoft. I said, you know what? He said, traitor. What are you going to do? I'm going to contribute to the, to, the, to the development of science. I'm going to become a researcher. You're running after money. And what are you running after? We look down upon those people who run after money. Ultimately, we go to them and ask them to fund our projects. Sir, funding, sir, funding, funding, sir, research, sir. You see, every we all are people who are serving our own lusts and our pleasures, and we were hateful. The point problem is this: if the solution for a man who is disobedient is what stone him with stones and hang him on a tree, how does God reconcile and save us? Is the question. But when the kindness and the love of God. I love the word. Everybody say kindness and the love of God. Say that. You know what the word love of God means? The word love of God actually in the Greek philanthropy. That's the word from which we get the word philanthropist. What does a philanthropist mean? Oh, this man he is the one who is like uh, Bill Gates example. The fraud philanthropist. Okay. Okay. Who's masquerading as a philanthropist. What is he doing? He is giving away all his wealth for the betterment of mankind. I will tell you something. You can feed people all the way to hell. That is not actual philanthropy. 
Like Pastor was speaking to us in one of the Q&As. He was saying, a person who actually brings the gospel into your life and because he is the instrument that God used to save you, you owe him his life. You owe him his life. Why? Why? Because he was the actual philanthropist. He brought the gospel to you. What is actual philanthropy? Is to bring the gospel and not just to feed the poor. What happened? When the kindness and the love of God toward man it has to what? Appear. It has to appear. No, you have to be in this condition. You know you are at the, what happened? I mean, you are, you, you are at the, at the, the gates of hell almost. Close to the portals of hell now. You're hanging on the tree. Literally hanging on the tree. You were a rebel. You were a thief. You were a drunkard. You were whatever it is. You're hanging on the tree now. You're about to die. Who's that person? Luke's Gospel, chapter 23. There were also two other criminals. Who are these? Criminals. Who are, who are we? Who are we? Do you think you're a criminal? I'll tell you. I'm the criminal. I was a criminal also. I knew how so many manipulations I used to do. But you know, God always made a way that I will be found out. I remember when I was in class 4 or class 5. I got my math exam paper. I got fantastic marks. I don't know how many. I don't want to mention that, okay? I got fantastic marks, which I cannot show to my parents, obviously, okay? So what I did, I took my exam paper, I came back home, and I hid it under the, I hid it under the newspaper, this thing, okay? And my mom generally asked, no, marks, sochnaya? Nothing, no, no marks. I was fantastic. I mean, I was like lying and happy, like pretending as if nothing had happened. Next two days after that, my friend visited my home. He was in a happy mood. Okay. Ravi Shekhar. I will never forget that fellow. <laughs> See Vijay Ravi Shekhar. Chintala Vijay Ravi Shekhar. He brought a lot of chinta into my life. <laughs> so he came on. He was in a happy mood. My mom looked at him and he said, Yendri Ravi, full happy mood. Auntie, was marks, marks. I got marks 25 out of 25. Twenty-five out of twenty-five. He left. I said, "Bindu ko chara minding no. Why did you come to my home?" And after that, my mom looked at me and said, "Mark, what's na? Where did you hide it?" <laughs> then I opened it. One day I got another nice mark. You know, I got sunna arasuna visarga. Even before my parents could scold me, I started crying. I had made a huge drama. I went out to my uncle's home, started crying in front of him also. Acting as if I was actually very, 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 very remorseful because I got low marks. No, I was actually scared. I'm going to get a spanking. You see? He have ways to circumvent. We are criminals. A lot of people are found out. Some people are not found out. That is the reason why Paul says, no, some people's sins go before them. <laughs> some people's sins follow them. <laughs> so, but the problem is that the, what is common between the two? Sin. That is a common parameter. You see, we were all criminals, Baba. 
we have a mind as to how to manipulate situations to make people believe or even God believe for some time, some time that we are actually not as bad as we seem to be. So two criminals are hanging now. Literally, Deuteronomy chapter 21 is being fulfilled in his life. Now he is hanging on the tree for the sins that he has committed. Two people now. One on the left, one on the right. Almost at the verge of being eternally condemned to hell. What happens? The love of God appears. God is appearing. What appears? The love of God. In the form of Jesus Christ. The man who took the place of a criminal called Barnabas. Barabbas. Me. I am Barabbas. The love of God appears. The philanthropy of God. The kindness of God. That is the reason why um, in, it says in Psalm 49, what can a rich man give in, 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 uh, uh, for, for, the, for the salvation of his brother's soul? Can he empty all his riches and ransom his brother? No way. You cannot. Because the salvation price for his soul is infinite. It cannot be repaid. No matter what kind of a philanthropist you are, you cannot repay the sal- You cannot buy the salvation of one soul because it says even the entire treasure of this world cannot be measured to the price of one soul. The philanthropy of God. One criminal right, right there, hanging there. And what appears is the love of God and the kindness of God. This man, when he is there, this, both of these people actually, it says, when they were on the cross, what were they doing? They were blaspheming. Both of them were blaspheming. You read the record, you'll see both were blaspheming. And then they heard, Father, Father, forgive them, Father. You know what? The word forgive has two words. For and give. What was he doing? He was, what was he? He was a philanthropist on the cross. Father, God so loved the world that he gave. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. And suddenly, one man's eyes were opened. I deserve this punishment. The other guy was blaspheming. He blasphemed. If you are the Christ, save yourself and save us. But the other answered and rebuked him saying, do you not even fear God? Seeing you are under the same condemnation, you are under the same condemnation. He is a criminal, you are a, crim- you, you are a criminal, I am a criminal, but this man is not a criminal. He said, that's his own words, look at what he says. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our sins. But this man has done what? Nothing wrong. Then Jesus, then he looked at Jesus. I love that. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me. You know what happened? The kindness of God and the philanthropy of God on the cross he saw. Cursed is a man who hangs on the tree. The kindness and the mercy of God that he took my place on the tree and he hung in my place. 
and he finished off that disobedient, deceived, foolish rebel on the cross. He finished him off. And he said, you know what? Today you will be with me in paradise. That is the gospel. It's interesting. The very next verse in the gospel according to Luke. After he says these words, today you will be with me in paradise. You know what he says? When Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I... You see, he died. The very next moment he died. Right there. At the point of his death. It was last chance. The disciples had another chance because they could see the resurrection of Jesus. This man had no chance of resurrection. Because he's going to die now. If only Judas would have known this. The last chance. And he said, Lord, please forgive me. The kindness of God appeared. You see this entire thing rehearsed in, in, in the life of Abraham in Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22 and he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that what? You what? Fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his voice and what? What appeared now? The kindness of God and the love of God appeared. There, there was a nice little ram caught in the thickets. So he took away his son from the, from the, from the altar and he took that ram and he offered it in place of his son Isaac. This is the gospel. Hebrews chapter 11 will say, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, off, tested offered up Isaac, and he, had received the pro- and he who had received the promises, offered his only begotten son. Okay? Of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to. He was literally rehearsing the cross on the altar. And therefore you know what the Bible says in James chapter 2? Was not Abraham our father justified by works? When he offered what? Isaac on the altar, do you see? Etc. And verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was what? Credited to him or accounted to him for righteousness. So you know the gospel has two parts. The gospel has two parts. The first part is, Jesus Christ died for my sins. Sorry. Jesus died, died, died for all of our sins, according to scriptures. Jesus Christ was buried Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the third day according to the scriptures. That is a historical fact. Second thing, if it has to be personalized in my life, what should I do? Romans chapter 4. Now it was written, not for, it, now it was written not for his sake alone that it was imputed to him or reckoned to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus Christ our Lord from the dead. Who was delivered up because of my offense and was raised because of, for my justification. Same thing. If you believe that, that is the reason why. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that God raised, you believe in your heart the Lord Jesus Christ and we confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, what will happen to him? You will be saved for all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So this morning God is giving us an opportunity once again. If you are a rebel, 
Say, Lord, thank you. I should have died in that place. But you took my place. Cursed is a man who hangs on a tree. But you became a curse for me on the cross. By your stripes, I was healed. I am saved. That's the first part. This you should know. This you should know. (laughs) This is the gospel. You see, one of the things that I'm learning, practicing over and over again is this. I read the Bible. I say, Lord, show me Christ. Show me whom? Show me Christ. You know what? Philip went to Samaria and he preached Christ. When this Ethiopian eunuch was reading the book of Isaiah, Philip went and preached Jesus. Two things. He preached Christ to Samaritans. He preached Jesus to, to, you know, to the Ethiopian eunuch. And both times they were all saved. He preached Christ. And how do you preach him? Preach him crucified. To the Jews, it's a stumbling block. To the Greeks, it is foolishness. But to us, to us who believe, Christ the power of God, Christ the wisdom of God. So believe this morning. Okay, believe this morning. Let's go to Titus chapter 3 now. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 onwards. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the spirit whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior that having been justified or being made righteous by his grace we should become heirs according to hope of eternal life. See, one of the things that you need to understand when God forgives us that's what we call as justification. He not only reconciles righteous he not only says we are not guilty He not only says, I look at you just as if you have never sinned. Something else also is done. You know what happens? He has reckoned as righteous. He has made, he has declared us not guilty. He has declared us that we have never sinned. He's looking at us as if we have never sinned. The fourth thing, he also says that I also made you righteous. What did I do? Made you righteous. That's important. Understand this. He has also made us righteous. Look at what happens when, uh, Peter is speaking to the house uh, to, uh, in, in Cornelius' house. They hear the word. They hear about the cross. You hear about how Jesus of Nazareth died, etc., 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 and how, is, how, how he rose from the dead. In Acts chapter 10, verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon them who heard them, who heard the word. This is what we call as washing of regeneration and sanctification of the Holy Spirit. What happens? Something happens now. He is just not, we are reckoned righteous. We are also made righteous. The seed of God comes into our hearts. We should know this. That is the reason why you keep on looking at this. First Peter chapter 1 verse 1. What is that? Having been what? Born again. You should, we sing that song now. Goodbye world. I stay no longer with you. And then he says, born, born, born again. Thank God I'm you should say this to yourself every day. I am born again. In Christ Jesus, I am a what? New creation. Old has passed. Everything has become new. And the very nature of God, which is never going to sin, is there inside of me. That is, that is, that is what we should know. And you should keep on speaking to yourself. I will tell you why this is important. When Adam sinned, in Adam, we all sinned. Right? And we are all condemned in Adam. Right? And what is also given to us is a nature of sin. 
Okay, that is the reason why uh, David says, I was born in sin, shaped in iniquity. I don't have to be taught to sin. I will sin because that is my nature. Because we were all in Adam, this is what is our nature. The moment we come in Christ, there's something similar has to happen. In Adam, we had a nature of a sinner. Now in Christ, what should we have? The nature of a righteous man. You understand? Okay? In Christ, what should we have? The nature of a righteous man. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 5 to, to, to emphasize this point. For by one man's offense, that is Adam, death reigned through the one, much more those who received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through Jesus Christ. Goes on to say, therefore as through one man's offense, all were condemned. Even so, through one man's righteous act, free gift came to all men. All did not become righteous. The free gift came to all men. You have to receive it. But the moment you receive it, just as you are, what? Having the nature, when Adam was, when when you were born, you had the nature of a rebel inside of you. When you are born again, what do you have? You have the nature of Christ inside of you. Understand that. Same thing. Understand. Okay? You have the nature of Adam when you were born. You have, now you have the nature of Christ when you are born again. So what should you do? We're in Romans chapter 6. Knowing this, this is what you should know, that our old man was crucified, etc. And verse 7, for he who has died has been what? Justified or freed from sin. This is it. You have been justified. You have been freed. You have been made righteous. You have the very nature of God inside of you. This is what we should know. That's the first step. You should know. And every day you have to keep on telling yourself, this is not my nature. Once I was not a people, now I'm God's people. What, 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 am, what am I? I'm a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Etc, etc, etc. He gives us a new identity in Christ. And you keep on telling that every day. You have to keep on rehearsing. You keep on singing. Keep on singing. The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, what does he receive? A pardon. And the moment he received a pardon, he was just not made righteous. Sorry, reckoned righteous. He was also made righteous. The the very nature of God has been birthed inside of you. That is the reason why it says in 1 John chapter 3, the man who is born of God cannot sin. He does not sin. He overcomes sin. But how do we do this? That's the next step. Romans chapter 6 now. Let's move on to the next step. For the death that he died, he died sin to sin once for all. But the light, the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, also you have to what? Reckon yourself. Now what is reckoning? I keep on asking God, Lord, what is this reckoning business? You know, it's an accounting term, no? We do that reckoning every day. How, how do we do it? We go to Google Pay or Phone Pay. We have three or four accounts in the Google Pay. What do we check? Balance. What do we check? Uh, you that is what is called reckoning. Okay. So we go to Google Pay, check balance. Uh, generally, what happens to all salaried employees is that by the time the first week is over, bank balances almost, you know what I'm talking about, right? Almost over. So UPS are dangerous, Baba. At least those days you have to go to the bank. You have to wait for your token number, okay? Then you have to go to the teller and he will give you a lot of money. Then you know so much of money is there. Then you ration it out and you distribute it. You have a feeling in your hands as to how you're spending your money. But now, 
chak 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 how fast it goes you know in in, in telugu there's a, there's a song you know sirida vache vachunu sirida poye povunu money has come in, in our in our modern day language money has only one 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 word it knows what is what it knows the only one word tata what does it say it's gone before you know it it's gone first of all they will say cost to company so much and you're expecting so much of salary and then you're waiting for the first salary to appear into your bank account you're expecting let's say 65000 rupees 65000 65 you're already planning okay this is what this is what i'm going to do this is what i'm going to do and then you open it open you open the account and you see 37000 rupees okay yeah then you're so upset and you call the hr what is this tax deducted at source okay this is an accounting term see salary we get every month you know what the bible says my mercies are new every morning every morning god does one thing he fills fills your bank balance with the righteousness of god so you open and check balance what do you have righteous 100% balance okay you should know this but the problem is you should reckon why <laughs> does that what is reckoning i'll tell you what you should reckon when you get up in the morning you start thinking right okay when you have the salary you think this is how to spend this this is how to spend this is how to spend if i have the money this is what i'll do etc 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 similarly reckoning also means to think what does it mean to think first corinthians chapter 13 verse 11 to show you where else this word reckoning is mentioned first corinthians chapter 13 verse 11 when i was a child i spake as a child i understood as a child and i what did i do i thought or reckoned as a child <laughs> okay i reckoned as a child the, pro, the 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 word for thought is to reckon so the second thing in reckoning what you should do is start thinking you have to give your mind to god start thinking about the goodness of god about the mercy of god about the faithfulness of god meditate upon these things look at what it says in philippians chapter 4 finally my brothers whatever things are true whatever things are noble whatever things are just whatever things are pure whatever things are lovely whatever things are of good report okay so if you look at news all bad report okay so what so ever things are of good report if there be any virtue and if there be anything praiseworthy what should you do meditate or reckon start thinking you should start to change the way you think it's very important because ultimately what you think is what you will become what you think and what you believe is what you will do ultimately Joshua chapter 1 we are looking at Joshua right look at what he says in Joshua we know this verse very well the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall what meditate think think keep on thinking over and over and over and over again upon the goodness of god look the wildest offender if god did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not with him freely give us what all things in other words what the bible says all things are yours it's remarkable what are all things in other words everything that happens in this universe if you are the elect of god happens for you 
You look at the events in your life. It was tailor made by God to make you. I mean, I can tell it my own, my own life. My goodness. When I look at my life, I look at the incidences that happened in my life. Everything that happened to me, which I thought was bad, ostensibly, or I thought was failure, happened to me for a reason. If those things did not have happened to me, I would not have been here. I would have been somewhere else. God knows where. I don't even want to imagine that. <laughs> Everything happens. I mean, if I have still not, God has not given the permission to, for me to share my testimony. If, if I have to tell you certain things that have happened. No, I look at it in the context of, of, of what God had done for me. If those incidences did not happen in my life, I am not here, my dear brothers and sisters. I don't, don't even know where I'm, where I'm going to be, where, where, where I would have been. It's the mercy of God. The failures that you happened that happened in your life were tailor made by God to meet you. If you have not failed, think about no. The prodigal son, he took his money, like Pastor was telling in the Nepali church, no? He was telling, no? He would have gone and talked to his father and he said, Father, I want some money to fund my project. So if father gave him the money, thought he was going to start off a business, but what happened? He wasted his life in prodigal living. He was a rebel. He gave the entire money to a rebel. And what did the rebel do? Finish it off. If he had become successful, would he have come back to his father? No. He would have died a rebel. So the incidences that happened in your life were tailor-made by God so that you would meet him. Think about it. You will say, Vijay, that is too much. Too much. You mean to say God intended failure? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> so that he could meet you. It's, rem- it's remarkable, right? Whom God foreknew, he predestined them to be conformed to the image of, uh, image of his son. Whom he predestined them also he called. Whom he called them also he justified. Whom he justified them also he glorified. He foreknew. When? Even before the foundation of the world were laid. Even before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew. Meditate on the goodness of God. Meditate on the things that God stopped in your life. Ask God if certain things are happening in your life over and over again. Stop and ask, Lord, why? Think what's going on. Think what is going on. Jesus asked this person to think, no? He says, look at this woman. He's been coming to, uh, to church for such a long time. She, was, she has been bent by Satan. 18 years. Think about it, he says. Think. Meditate. Give yourselves to meditation. Take time to meditate. Just not meditate upon the word. Meditate upon how God was good to you. What will happen automatically? You will start thanking. Nobody has to come and say, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. We'll come to Hallelujah, praise the Lord later, okay? Notice those two words, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Okay, Jyoti? Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Hmm? Psalm 1, verse 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, what does he do? Meditate. How long? He's thinking day and night. 
is thinking all the time. If you don't think, you know what happens? The word is sown, immediately Satan will come and steal the word. So certain things have to be repeated over and over and over and over again until Christ appears. Think. Look at what it says in First Peter chapter 4, verse 1 onwards. This is in the English Standard Version. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of what? Thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Think about it, no? That you can live a life where you stop sinning completely. How many of you want that kind of a life? Oh yes. Well, I want it. I don't know about you. <laughs> the possibility of living a sinless life, you know where it starts? You have to change the way you think. You discipline your mind. Focus. That is the reason why you will keep him in perfect peace. Why? Whose mind is stayed on you because he what? Trusts in you. Perfect peace. Why don't we have peace? Because we don't think. Don't be anxious for everything. But in all things, what? With prayer and supplications, make your requests known unto God. And the peace of God will what? You know what the word for God is? God is empire. The word for God is to be an empire. In other words, a thought will come. And you should say, tell the empire, how is that? You will say, don't allow. No ball. Again, another thought will come. How is that? Allow. The peace of God will become the empire. See, this is, Christian life is, is a deliberate choice of the will. You have to choose this way every day. You have to start thinking. Because you've been made new. You should know that. Because you're, you're first, you should know this is what I'm, what I'm in Christ. If this is what I'm in Christ, I have to reckon. I have to start thinking. I should start thinking. Especially the way I, uh, way I allow, what kind of thoughts I will allow into my life. What kind of reports I will allow into my life. What kind of words will I, I, will, uh, I will allow into my ears. This is, has to be disciplined because these are the gates through which all the information comes into, come, comes into your mind. So very, very careful. Guard your mind. That is the reason why he says, put on the word of salvation, the helmet of salvation. Guard your mind. So as to live the rest of your life or the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. So you can come to a point where you stop sinning. Second, you no longer live for yourself. Whom do you live for? For the will of God. That means you're no longer foolish. You're no longer deceived. You're no longer disobedient. Now what are you now? You're wise. Okay? And you're not deceived. That means you're not deceived and you're obedient. You're living for the will of God. Where does it start? It starts with changing the way you think. First Peter chapter 4. For the time that is past suffices in what you did. You lived sufficient time in doing all these things. So don't think, okay, last at least a few more days I will, I will indulge in this flesh and then come back to God. Nothing, nothing of that sort is going to happen. That's, that's what even Felix thought. Felix was given the message by Paul. He talked about him in, about righteousness and judgment and self-control. Immediately he got, he got tension. And he says, I will hear about this at a convenient time. That's it, over. So it's change the way you think. Second, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Understand you are in a warfare. Where? In your mind. 
in your mind. Battle is here. The God of this age controls the mind. So be very careful how you, what information that will, that you will allow into your ears because that will mess up your mind. So many things you don't have to hear. That will mess up your mind. Alright? Because you have to become obedient. You have to become obedient. And the obedience should be the obedience of Christ. Okay? It starts with the way you think. And therefore he says, Romans chapter 12, do not be conformed to this world or to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you think. So that you may prove that which is good, acceptable and the perfect will of God. So you know this is a good, good will of God. This is the acceptable will of God. This is the perfect will. God's will is perfect. You know that the will of God is always good. For, for you to understand that, you have to change your mind. So you have to reckon. Okay. After you reckon, the last one. What should you do? Yield. This is where, what we say, the rubber meets the road. Okay. You have to yield. What should you do? Yield yourselves to God and the instruments of your body as instruments of righteousness. This is the most important thing in Christian life. Yielding. Yielding. What should you yield? The members of your body. What are the members of your body? Primarily, your tongue, your ear, your eyes, all your senses. Most importantly, your tongue. In James chapter 3, this is what it says in verse 7. Every kind of beast and bird and creature is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But, the, but no man can tame the Why? Life and death is where? In the power of the tongue. Speech. Paul tells Timothy, be an example to others. Where? Where does it start? In your speech. In your tongue. So what should you do? Yield it to God. If you want to have a Disciplined tongue, you should have a disciplined ear. So then, my beloved, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. Why? Slow to get angry because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Tongue and ears and then eyes. Okay, These are the things that you have to start Yielding. No, let me give you an example of what it means. How I look at it. It's very important for us to, especially this hear, hearing part is so, so important. I'll just give you one verse and I'll, I'll give you an example. The Lord has given me the, what? The tongue. How did he get a disciplined tongue? Because he had a disciplined ear. So he had a disciplined tongue because he had a Disciplined ear. E-N-T. Okay? Ears, nose, tongue. You want to get a disciplined tongue, first you give your ear to God. Okay? This is the first thing. Give your ear to God. Ear. Very, very important. Incline your ear. 
So be very careful as to what you hear. Because what comes through hearing? Faith. What also comes through hearing? Unbelief. So what happens as a result? Confusion. So if you do not want to have any confusion, be very careful. The Bible says, be very careful as to what you hear. Not only that, be also careful as to how you hear. Two things. Two important, two very important things that you have to control in our lives is why, sh- why am I emphasizing this so much? Because ultimately what you speak is what you hear. What the children speak in their homes ultimately when they come to school, what they speak in the school or what they speak outside is what they already heard at homes. Yeah. The Bible says John the Baptist leaped in his mother's wombs when he heard And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says God put him in the wilderness so that he could train him, so that he could only be in tune to the voice of God, so that it says in Luke's Gospel chapter 3, the word of God circumvented everybody and it found one hearing here in the wilderness. That is in John. Trained here is very important. Give you an example. 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 3. The boy Samuel was attending to the service of the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And the visions were in, infrequent or there was no widespread revelation. Now it happened a time that Eli was lying down in his place. His eyesight began to be, become poor. And all this was happened that the Lord called Samuel and he said what? Here I am. So what did Samuel have? A discipline? Yeah. Why am I saying this? A lot of people do not hear. One of the reasons why there's so many problems in my life is because I did not hear properly. I did not listen carefully to the instructions. I did not practice listening over and over again. Okay. You see, how do you learn things by heart? By speaking over and over again. And what, when you speak, what happens? You hear what you speak and that goes into your heart. That's the reason why when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And then it says, with the heart one believes and with the mouth one confesses. So it starts with confession and then it goes to believing where? In your heart. So you learn things by heart, by disciplined ear. Disciplining your ear. Listening to instructions carefully. I, I, I want, I, this is a very crude example, but I want to emphasize something very important over here. No, I went to this, I was telling my children, we went to this Hots Academy. Some of the things that I've learned, I've never thought I've learned so many things uh, by going from, from horses. You see, horse is one animal which has got tremendous power. Tremendous. But you know what? After it is trained, there's a bridle and the bit. The rider just has to do one flick like this and it will turn right. He has to do one flick like this, it turns left. The whole body, the whole power of the horse lies in how you control its, the bit. The Bible says, the Bible says that we also have a tongue. Tongue is like the what? The bridle of the horse. So if if you want to change the course of your life, what should you do? Change the way you speak. There was a story of this um, 
preacher who went to a horse academy to buy a horse. In John Wesley, those days, no? John Wesley, he rode on horseback for several years and he took the gospel. The story of this preacher went to this horse academy, to, I mean, to a horse training place to buy a horse for himself. And there he went to that place, he, he found a, a Christian horse. What is a Christian horse? Very interesting horse. The trainer was saying, praise the Lord. And the moment it says praise the Lord, the horse would go on, start walking. You say praise the Lord, it goes on a trot. You praise the Lord more, what happens to it? It starts galloping. Then he says, hallelujah, it comes to a halt. So the trainer was like, I mean the, the pastor or the preacher was fantastic. He says, this is a Christian horse, I want to have it. So he pays the price for it. And he says, okay now, let me just test it out. So he gets onto the horse and he says, praise the Lord. Starts mo- moving slowly. He enjoys the ride, he enjoys the feel. Then he says, praise the Lord again. A gentle trot. Praise the Lord. Now nicely galloping. Now he's enjoying the speed. And the horse is fantastic. When you actually have a feel of the horse on the horseback, it's a fantastic feel now. His adrenaline is pumping now. He says, okay, let me see if it goes even more faster. And he says, praise the Lord. And it goes into a much nicer speed. And now it's, like a, it's really, really going very fast. Now in this excitement, he forgot the command as to what to say to stop it. So he said, Amen. It's not stopping. He says, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, not stopping. So the problem is, you can't rebuke your flesh. Okay, You can only <laughs> rebuke the devil and, and cast it out. Anyways, he was rebuking it. He's not, he's not stopping. Now, to his dismay, he was going to the edge of a cliff now. And he is not getting the command as to what to say to stop the horse. He is trying every book in the dictionary. His concordance, yes, that all the words, not stopping. And now it's coming to the edge of the cliff and he says, hallelujah, and it stops. The moment he stops, he says, praise the Lord. And it's gone. <laughs> okay, you got the joke, okay? Now tell me, who heard the instructions properly? The horse. Who was supposed to hear the instructions properly? The preacher. So when the Bible says, all kinds of animals can be tamed, except the tongue. So the very first miracle By faith, the walls of Jericho should come down. What should you do? Shut your mouth. You want to begin to possess the promised land? Control what you say. Control what you say. You see, this is a lesson that we all have to learn. What we have is an indisciplined tongue. That is the reason the Bible says in James chapter 3, says, with the same mouth we bless God and speak in tongues. And we curse man on the road and speak in mother tongue. What is mother tongue? Our familiar tongue. That is mother tongue. The default notation, default setting. 
You see, what was Samuel taught? Why did the words of Samuel did not fall to the ground? You know why? Because he had a trained ear and therefore he had a what? A trained tongue. The Lord God has given me a disciplined tongue. Why? Because I had a disciplined ear. So what should you do? I'll tell you something. Close your ears to many things. You should ask God, Lord, I do not want to go to places where I should not hear the things that I'm not supposed to hear. No, I was asking the Lord, no, I want to overcome sin. But how does sin come? Because of temptation. So the best way to overcome temptation is to, I'm sorry, overcome sin is to stop getting tempted. You know what uh, the the Lord's prayer is? The Lord's prayer is, lead us not into temptation. So Jesus, he looks at his three disciples. I said, Lord, I do not want to be led into temptation. What should I do? This is my question. I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, I do not want to be led into temptation. What should I do? You know what the Lord said? Pray that you should not be led into temptation. What should you do? That's what he told the disciples. Pray that you will not be led into temptation. The spirit is willing, but what is weak? The flesh is weak. So what should your prayer be? Pray that you should not be led into temptation. Pray. So so get up in the morning and say, Lord, Lord, do not lead me into temptation. Can you say that? Let us all say that now, this, this morning. Okay. Lord, do not lead me into temptation, but deliver me. You see, the problem is we like. That is the reason why every man is, how he's first he's enticed. He already has his deceitful, deceitful desires. He wants to be tempted. Lead us not disciplined here. That is what he says. Here am I. Here I am. How did he get this? Because he was disciplined in his home. Disciplined in in the church. And ultimately one day, God will say, you know what? I saw you in your home. I saw you in your church. Now you are ready to hear from me directly. I saw you the way you heard heard your father and mother and responded to to them. I saw you the way you heard your pastor and you responded to him. And now I know that you are ready to hear directly from me. That is the reason why Moses, my servant, is dead. And the Lord spoke to whom? To Joshua. You know why? He saw him. How he heard Moses. And he listened to him. Now you are ready to listen directly from me. Disciplined tongue is a direct result of a disciplined ear. James chapter 3. For where envy and self-seeking exist. What is there? Confusion and every evil thing is there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle. What is this? Everybody say that? Willing to yield. It is wise. You know, you yield to your parents. It will save you a lot of trouble when you are a child. I am telling you. Like yesterday, pastor was saying, my father told me these things when I was a young man. I wish I heard him then. I wouldn't have taken this route. Yield to your parents at home, children. If you have a believing parent, 
I said believing parent. You may not have a believing, you may not have believing parents. But you have a believing parent, yield to them. There is wisdom there. You will save yourself a lot of trouble. Why was Daniel able to be, I mean, how was he such a disciplined man? I believe he heard and listened to his parents at home. It doesn't come naturally like it just doesn't, it's a, it's a habit. He chose because he chose at home. Why, why, why was Joseph so successful? Because he l- listened to his father. He yielded to the direction of his father. The problem is, many of us don't yield. We know, we reckon, but we don't yield. So, where does the problem lie? The problem lies, you know why? We, do not, we have to start changing the way we think. Start changing the way we think. Therefore, reckon yourself dead indeed unto sin. Reckon. Start thinking over and over again. Start thinking over and ask, Lord, the thoughts that I have, I want to have a control over my thoughts, Lord. I know so many things, but I don't give give it sufficient time to settle down. I don't think on those things. I allow immediately something else to come and replace already the words that have been spoken into my mind or into my heart. That is the reason why it says, the words that fell into good soil. Remember that? The words that fell into good and prepared soil, by, with patience he endures. And ultimately what he brings is good fruit. Why? Because he thought over and over again on the things that we already heard. So this morning, three steps for a successful Christian life. Can everybody say that? Knowing, reckoning, Yielding. Know, reckon, and yield. I'll tell you something. This is easy. This is a little difficult. And this is the most difficult. Knowing is easy. Reckoning is a little more easy. But the most difficult thing is, sorry, a little more difficult, but yielding is the most difficult. But you know what you say? That is the reason you know what, what the, the, the Bible says. Offer your bodies as living sacrifice. Start off there. Yield your members. Start yield. Make a decision. If any man wills to do his will, then he will know. Understand? In the volume of book that has been written of me, I delight to do your will. So what did you do? I offer my body. God is very wise. Because he has, if he has your body, he has everything else. This morning, there's a grace of those people, for those people who yield, a special grace that God will give you. The grace that you will only experience. When you yield to God, you will experience the power of God to overcome any situation. So this morning, let's stand up. No? Let's stand up in the presence of God. Very simple message. Know, reckon, yield. Knowing, reckoning, yielding. You can surrender yourself every time. You know, when you come to church, you make a decision, Lord, this this Sunday I want to surrender myself, Lord. I do not want to go back home the same. I want to live a life which is consistent. Which is consistent. Consistently overcoming sin. The possibility of never sinning. You, you give it to us a lot. But you're saying, Lord, 
change the way you think. Arm yourself with the same mind. Know what you are in Christ. You are a new creation. The old rebel is dead. The old rebel with all its iniquity, with all its disobedience and its deception, with all its foolishness was nailed to the cross 2000 years back. That old rebel was punished in Christ. He was cursed. He was made a curse for us so that we could enjoy the blessing. Lord, I pray, Lord, this morning that all of us, beginning with me, will surrender ourselves. We will surrender ourselves. Lord, so many times we listen to the same thing over and over again. But Lord, I pray, Lord, this morning you will appear to many. Maybe someone, Lord, here in this congregation who is crying in their heart and saying, Lord, I repeat the same sin over and over again. I've come to the end of myself. I want to yield this morning. Whatever your sin, the Bible says, if you confess, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And God is going to look at you fresh. He'll give you a fresh start. Just as if you have never sinned. What an awesome privilege. He will not hold that sin against you. And not only that, He not only reckons you righteous, He will make you righteous. God is an ultimate giver. The love of God and the kindness of our God in Jesus Christ. The old man was taken care of. You don't have to sin anymore. And the devil tries to keep us from this truth. This morning we will tell the devil, I am not going to be deceived anymore. My old man died with Jesus on the cross. That I should not, no longer yield my body to sin anymore. I will reckon myself dead. And yield the members of my body as instruments and as weapons of righteousness. Lord, I surrender myself afresh this morning. We sang this morning, take me past the outer courts into the holy place. The first thing that you will encounter is a brazen altar. The altar where he was judged. Where he took my sin upon himself. He not only took my sin, he was made sin. So that I could be made righteous. So that I could be made righteous in the sight of God. In Christ, he could reckon us righteous. And the second thing is a brazen altar where we judge ourselves. And the Bible says you can come boldly and confidently to the throne room of grace this morning to obtain mercy and grace in the time of need. Because he took our sin on the cross. He became sin for us. He became a curse for us. He was made sick with all our diseases. He took our infirmities upon him. And by his stripes, we were healed. We no longer have to walk in sickness. We no longer have to accept sickness into our body. 
The Bible says the body for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. So yield this morning to God. Don't fight him. Don't fight him. Don't fight God. He's a gentle savior. He doesn't force himself upon us. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you offer yourself as living sacrifices. It is a, it's a beseeching that, that God is doing for us. Offer it. That is for your own good. Don't fight God this morning. So many of us fighting God, fighting his purposes. Some are fearful. What will happen if I surrender? Bible says he would not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. Why will he not with him freely give us all things? Do you believe that this morning? Look at the cross. God cannot be more generous than what he did for us in his son. Your money, your security in this world. Don't fight God this morning. Let us not fight God. Let us not fight God in our thoughts. Let us not reject the wooing of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are in, in the wilderness of your life. The Lord has led you into that wilderness so that he could speak kindly to you. That's what he told in the book of Hosea. I'm going to lead her into the wilderness and I'm going to speak kindly to her. Surrender. Don't rebel like the children of Israel in the wilderness. Don't harden your heart because of unbelief. Yield to God. Don't fight your parents, children. Don't fight your pastors who teach you the word. The Bible says, obey those who have rule over you. Don't be a cause of grief to them. Because they care for your souls. Don't fight the counsels of godly men. Don't fight. Yield this morning. The best that you know how. And if you are unable to yield, say, Lord, Holy Spirit, help me to yield. Because there is a blessing in yielding. Don't rebel. If you have heard the voice of God this morning, do not harden your hearts. But worship. Bow down. And yield this morning to Him. Father, we come before you this morning, O Lord. We want to surrender ourselves once again. The best that we know how. We want to yield, Lord. We don't want to fight you, O Lord. It is hard for us to kick against the pricks, Lord. Many of us trying to fight you, O Lord. Many of us angry with our parents. Many of us angry with our spouses. Many of us angry with our pastors. Don't be angry. The Lord told Cain, Cain, why are you angry? If you do well, will you not be accepted? But if you do not, sin is crouching at the door. But you should master it. Therefore, yield before it is too late. Don't be angry. Don't fight God this morning. Every time you hear the word, don't fight God. Don't resist the spirit. Yield this morning to the convictions and the wooing of the spirit. Lord, speak to us, Lord. Speak to our hearts this morning. Convict us of our sins. 
Lord, convict us, Lord. Don't leave us. Don't pass us by, O Lord. We cry out to you and we want to say with Apostle Paul, who will deliver us from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus. You're willing to forgive. You're more than willing to forgive, O Lord. You said, O Lord, even though your sins be as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Come, let us reason together this morning, the Bible says. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. Therefore, be willing this morning. Obey him, don't fight him. Yield to your parents. Yield to your spouses. If your spouse is a godly spouse, yield to him. And if you are your pastors, yield. Don't fight. Yield. Submit to one another, the Bible says, in the fear of the Lord. Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Yield to God this morning. Yield. Father, I pray, Lord, we will yield, O Lord. We will. We heard this so many times, but Lord, we want to yield. Lord, we want to yield, O Lord. We want to prepare ourselves, O Lord. We don't want to rebel, O Lord. Your word says, O Lord, every day you stretch out your hands towards an obstinate and a rebellious generation. Lord, we don't want to take your love for granted. We want to yield to you. I want to yield to you. Forgive our sins, O Lord. Forgive us our rebellion. Forgive us our disobedience. Forgive us our stubbornness, O Lord. Lord, your word says rebellion is as witchcraft and as stubbornness, as iniquity, as idolatry, O Lord. So many of us stubborn, Lord. We are like the horse and the mule which will not obey. I pray, Lord, that you would, Lord, break us this morning. Gently. We want to humble ourselves this morning. We want to yield to your spirit. We don't want to fight your spirit. Surrender all of us into your hands, O Lord. Touch us, O Lord. Touch us this morning afresh. Some of, the, some of us who do not know you, I pray, Lord, they will cry out, O Lord. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, will be delivered, is what your word says. I pray, Lord Jesus, they will call out. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and if you believe in your heart that he raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can confess this morning. You can confess this morning and say, Lord, you are the Lord of my life. And believe in your heart. You will be saved and your life will not be the same anymore. So yield to God this morning. Father, I pray, Lord, you will find in this congregation at least a few of us who will yield, who will listen to your voice, who will obey, and who will be blessed to be a blessing to others. Because you can never bless a people who are obstinate. You can never bless a people who are rebellious. But you can only bless and make people a channel of blessing. Those who will yield. And I pray, Father, this morning, you will find those people who will yield. Beginning with me, O Lord, and all of us here this morning. Thank you, Father. Commit all of us into your hands. Let us not fight you, even through this week. Let us yield. And we know, Lord Jesus, you always have the good for us. Not only the good, the best for us. You have plans to prosper us, not to harm us. To give, you a, give us a hope and a future and a desired end. But enable us to be willing and obedient this morning. Empower us with your spirit so that we can yield. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. 
We give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of you. Amen, amen. God bless you. Yield, don't fight, God. Amen.